Today on White World Black Mom, I wanted to talk about medical racism. And I'm not going to go through lengths in defining what medical racism is. I wanted to shed light on how it affects people and how it affects people in a way that I really want listeners to grasp how it's connected to other areas in our lives that, you know, you might not see the connection for. Now, a very recent experience, a few days ago, actually, I went to the doctor and it, I was a new patient. So I had my new patient uh, checkup and the doctor basically had quite a few assumptions to make about me. And they were definitely not coming from a place of him asking the question, but he definitely made assumptions or flat out assumptions, no question about that. Now, the first assumption he made was he asked, is the father of my child present? And then he said, oh, you must be a single mother, aren't you? That was the first assumption. The second one was, you know, he's asking a bit about my diet, but then he kind of stopped himself and he was like, you know what, you probably look like you eat a lot of fried foods and you probably need some help with your nutrition. Um, yeah, so me with my mouth wide open in shock, I had to kind of tell him that, you know, I've never had someone just flat out ask me that, no medical professional. And, you know, would it not make better sense to ask me the question of, you know, my family structure and my diet. And then he seemed to have taken offense to that. So he kind of took a step back and he started to assert himself definitely a bit more aggressively than before. And I, I can't tell whether or not he was joking. And it definitely seemed like he was serious. And my thing about that is even if you were telling a joke, you know, the, the underlying message of what you're saying is that you think people that look like me do not have another parent present in the household. And, you know, you're saying that people that look like me might only like fried foods or might not know how to take care of their own nutrition. Now, those assumptions in itself have layers of possibilities to unpack. And I mean, I could, you know, he doesn't know what my ethnicity is at this point. He doesn't know my nationality. And even if 
you know, because, you know, we're in America, even if I was African-American, there is still variation in how people eat different family structures, different, you know, cultural norms. Like it, it just, there's no consistent way that you can judge a whole ethnicity, a whole nationality, a whole cultural group especially when it comes to Black people, because there are just so many different, there, there's languages, language differences. We come from different nations. Uh, we enjoy different foods, uh, different cultural practices, religions, norms, all of that. And you're diminishing that fact when you're sitting in an office making these type of assumptions. And you know the 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 thing is is that if if my child was there in the office with me and in that doctor's office what messages are being transferred to my child and how is my child interpreting that message and how does that complicate parenting for me how do i now have to kind of decipher what just happened in a way that will have my child understand that, you know, when you see someone that looks like yourself or like mom, we, you know, it, you should not be assuming what that doctor assumed. How do I safely explain that to a four-year-old? And he, that doctor did not think about that. And my thing is that a lot of times we're go when we're going to these practices or institutions, the way they think deeply affects how they're treated, how they diagnose us, um, what they deem as an emergency, how we're, the treatment we receive, uh, the referrals we receive. Like it, it's all linked to each other. It's all connected. And a lot of it starts from your social perception of a group of people or an individual. So I'm really fortunate that my, my daughter, my four-year-old, was not there. Because for one, she would have to see that my mood drastically changed in that moment. And then she would have to see that his mood changed. Because remember I had mentioned that he started to get a bit more aggressive and take offense to me. So she would imagine my child having to see that. But nonetheless, I mean, these are little things that someone who is not Black might not see or feel or even have to fathom having to go through. I mean, it's one thing having the doctor not do certain blood tests or mess up your diagnosis, do a wrong surgery. That's one thing. And I know that's, that's, those are things that we all go through no matter our rate, what our race is. But in addition to that, people who face medical racism, we have to go through these little things that not only cause us to be in difficult social situations, but it causes stress. It, it causes trauma. 
to be quite honest with you, there are more things to that appointment that day that has actually been causing me to have anxiety. I haven't been able to sleep for the last few days. And that doctor, um, when I suggested that I needed certain tests to be done, certain blood tests and an ultrasound to be done, he kind of denied me of that and refused uh, doing those tests because he asserted his, you know, privileges. And he, in that office that day, he basically said that it wasn't necessary and that he was a professional and he knows um, what tests need to be ordered. So he ultimately ordered no tests whatsoever and decided to refer me directly to a cancer hospital. And, you know, I have the referral. I went home, I called the cancer center and I requested a new patient appointment. And when they called me back to confirm things and to ask me some follow-up questions, they had said that he was completely wrong and that I need to do an ultrasound and these tests to determine whether or not I have cancer. So at this point, I'm just, I'm going through a whole lot of stress and I was given terribly wrong information and I was traumatized by this doctor because he decided to tell me I was going to die maybe around 10 times during that one visit. And, you know, not to go into too much details about my health. Ultimately, there are extra battles that Black people, and for some reason specifically Black women, have to face when it comes to medical care. And I shared my experience because, you know what, it's not just about being knowing how to be your own advocate. It really isn't because I have a master's degree. I know a few medical terminology because I've worked in hospitals before, but it, it's, it's not just about that, you know? And the minute black women begin to advocate for, for themselves, explain themselves better, a lot of times we're met with hostility. And, you know, I, I know I just said that I, I'm happy my child wasn't there in that office, but at the same time, it, this hostility, it, it kind of, it kind of, makes you think, okay, well, are these interactions, are people leaving these interactions with saying that you're feeding into the trope of angry Black women? And I can, I can guess that it probably does. When really, 
I was just trying to explain the necessity of getting certain things done so that we're able to get to the bottom of what's happening with my health. And I'm pretty sure that's the case for a lot of other Black women. And you know what, whether you're a single parent or you're with someone else, there's always going to be a compounding factor of you not just having to worry about, you know, medical racism, but you have to think about your economics, you know, your children or your child, how are they doing in school? And, you know, whether or not the teacher has, you know, an unconscious bias and is uh, being more harsh with your child in school, you know, is your is your child being punished more severely than their peers because of their skin color? Or are they flat out just being ignored? So, you know, it's not just about the medical racism. It's a large piece of the puzzle that is contributes to our overall health. But it's the fact that we have to face these struggles that, you know, other moms might not have to face. Plus, we have to parent. Plus, we have to deal with, you know, our relationships with our spouses, the relationships with our communities, the relationships, you know, in schools. And, you know, it's it's all connected. and. People are not just crying wolf when they are sharing their narratives about medical racism. And, you know, I think in the past when I've had these conversations with non-Black women and mothers, the response is, oh, it's, it's always defensive. It's always, okay, well you know what, there are so many uh, mothers, many Black mothers who are receiving welfare benefits like food stamps, and, you know, we have to work extra hours to pay for our groceries while, you know, the Black mother or the Latino Latina mother has their food stamps that I wish I had. And... You know, it's it's always that or it's, you know, oh, you know, there's admission policies at schools that will get your child into college faster. And I'm just like, it's so hard to respond to that response from these uh, non-Black uh, mothers and women. It's It's hard to respond to that response because... How do you explain that, okay, yeah, someone might be receiving food stamps, but, you know, historically the government has made even getting food stamps really, really hard as far as application processes. You go into the offices, they make you wait for hours. 
the place doesn't have any air conditioning or heat or whatever it may be. It's usually overcrowded. The workers are usually overworked and not so nice to their clients. But the conditions are absolutely horrible. So it's not easy to obtain something like food stamps. And food stamps are typically not even enough for people. And then to factor in the fact that life is so stressful for Black mothers, Black women, you don't even know if you are able to use the food stamps in a way that might even help your, help your, your health. Because if you're, if you're so stressed in your normal day-to-day life, then how do you have the time to effectively meal plan, even grow grocery shopping? If, you know, you might be facing medical racism with a whole slew of other kind of societal institutional issues that are usually stemming from racism, You know, so it's kind of like people will aggressively bring up these counter arguments that clearly have nothing to do with anything, but they'll bring it up because it's been on their mind before and clearly they have a bit of animosity or anger towards the mother that's on food stamps. when really you should be angry at the system that has led to this mother having to be on food stamps. So, but again, how do I explain that to someone? And how do I myself find the energy to do that when I was just... You know, I just had to go through a bout of medical racism and I don't have sleep and I'm traumatized because of that experience. And I'm not going to even insinuate that that's the worst type of medical racism that exists because what I went through was, was nothing compared to what other people go through when it comes to their birthing experiences, when it comes to uh, other health issues, like there, you know, I can tell you a story. And this is a story from uh, one of the, 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 the mother Facebook groups in, that I'm a part of. And I had remembered reading a post and the post was just asking, okay, has any mother out there gone to the hospital, uh, deliver their child and then are told, okay, you can't leave the hospital until you take some type of birth control. Uh, you can't take your baby outside the hospital until you take birth control. So in the post, it basically said that the hospital made it mandatory for this mother to take the depot shot, the depot Prevera shot for birth control, or she could not leave the hospital with her child. 
So this mother, she took the shot. She told him she didn't want to, but they kind of just insisted that it was a policy. Uh, she took the shot. Um, she eventually went home. Um, she had a horrible birth experience as far as her C-section not being done right, it opening up when she went home, blood pressure going up, having to be readmitted, um, passing out. Like, it was like a nightmare. And as I read the post, I'm just like, hmm, okay. So this post had about 170 comments, and pretty much all the comments the women were saying, I've never heard of this happening. That's illegal. She needs to sue the hospital. That doesn't make sense. I don't believe this post, blah, blah, blah. And I just was reading through all this and I'm looking at their display pictures and I'm noticing, okay, all of these women are white. So then as I read through the, the, the thread, I did notice that one woman, she commented that, you know what, this happens because she's a, a birthing expert and I think a breast uh, breastfeeding specialist at the hospital. So she works with a team at the hospital in the local area. And she basically said that their whole team has done training on how to tell young Black and Latina mothers that they are not required to take birth control and no one in the hospital, nurses, doctors, anything uh, can force you to take birth control uh, before you leave the hospital and they cannot threaten you to take it and say that you cannot take your baby out of the hospital. So that woman's post, uh, the original poster responded to her and they were talking and that woman basically said that when she read the original poster's post, she automatically knew that the person was black because like she said, at the hospital she works in, their team drills it into the patient's head every chance they get to remind them that they do not have to take birth control after giving birth right then and there, and that they have the right to make that decision later with their PCP. So her comment was the only comment that kind of acknowledged that it's normal for Black women to be pressured to take birth control right after they give birth to their baby. And, you know, and then the comments right after that went back to the whole, ah, oh, I've never heard of this. It's never happened to me. They do talk to you about it in the hospital, but I didn't, they don't, they didn't force me to go through it. I just went home and then when I seen my primary care doctor, I talked about it then. So all of the, just 
just dozens and dozens and dozens of women saying that this is untrue. I've never heard of that happening to anyone I know. And in my head, I'm reading the thread and I'm just like, you know what? Literally all of the women responding to this were white. And none of them even expressed, you know, concern after this woman who actually works in the hospital shared that this is happening. And none of them kind of even knew anyone that this happened to. And I was kind of happy that I think it was two or three people that responded to the woman who works in the hospital and said, okay, you know what? Legally, if anyone finds any information about this, I we'd like to help. It's kind of insane that this is happening to black women in the same city we live in. And in my head, I'm just like, okay, this is like hurting my heart. It kind of felt like I was slapped upside the head because to know that that's happening, it it's it's hard. But I also kind of recognize that I've had issues with having, you know, people not listen to me in at medical facilities or make assumptions about me. It's just you. It's like you're always fighting for you know, justice for equal treatment. And it's kind of sad that, you know, other mothers don't know this is happening. And it, it's it's really sad that, you know, they can't even fathom certain things happening. And it kind of makes you feel alone. But one thing I do know is that because this is happening to a lot of Black women and Black mothers, we kind of have to find ways to continuously be supportive to each other. And a lot of these movements, like the Black Girl Magic movement, and a lot of imagery that we're seeing, I I can tell that it's 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 a good way to kind of reinforce positive images about ourselves and it's it's especially with things like twitter it's it's a good way for us to connect and to vent these things but ultimately i think with non-black mothers there is a divide and i think if people consistently are not able to be in spaces where we can have these kind of conversations when we finally do we're met with hostility from other mothers and we're met with disbelief and we're met with people who automatically want to assume that <laughs> a lot of black mothers are on welfare and you know people bring up you know the few benefits that you know don't even apply to most black women so people bring up affirmative action as if it 
can benefit majority of, of Black families. And I think that's dreadfully harmful to the conversation, period. Because the minute you do that, you're writing off all of the experiences that you might not understand and you might not have heard before. And when you block those experiences and those narratives off from this the discussion, then we're not having it. And there's no way in kind of having a deeper understanding of the other person. And I don't think it's about, you know, Black women just not being interested in being friends or having close relationships with non-Black people, but I think it's more of coming to the table and coming to the table with a whole heart and with open ears and giving people the time to process and to explain things. It's kind of like what I said earlier about me kind of having to rebut certain things and not knowing how or having the energy to kind of go through the layers of medical racism in a way that the other person is going to understand and to kind of embrace me and, you know, to listen. You know, because I, I, I am all for understanding that as human beings living in this world, we're all going to have issues. We're all going to have trauma that we have to face, losses, grieving. There's just so much that us as human human beings go through. And I'm always willing to address and discuss and to listen to those things. but. If I'm not shown that same response and that same openness, then how do I feel safe discussing issues and everything connected to medical racism with other mothers who are not Black? That is my concern. And... My concern is also how do how does medical racism and everything it's connected to implicate how I'm parenting? How am I going to raise, you know, a, a little black woman to then be able to navigate medical racism? and navigate advocating for themselves without people, you know, shutting her down because they think she's just another angry black woman. So those are some of the things I would, I'm actually going to get into on the next podcast. So again, please look for me on Twitter. I am on Twitter. I'm very new to it, but I would love for you to engage with me on Twitter. Search for White World Black Mom. 
Um, I will be uh, producing a few shows every week. So please follow my anchor page or whatever app you use for podcasting. Set up alerts so that you are hearing these shows. And I can be reached on email as well. So if if you want to contribute to the show and you don't want to leave a voice note for me, then whiteworldblackmom at gmail.com. But otherwise, I, I thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Um, I was able to share a lot about my experience and just generally about the experiences other Black moms might feel trying to navigate medical racism. But if any of what I we discussed today uh, resonates with you, please, please, please uh, voice it. If not with me on Twitter or through my email, then voice it in your own circles. Get people thinking about it. Get people acknowledging that it, it exists and it produces real fears and real trauma and real dilemmas in parenting. Thank you so much for tuning in.